United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Joined now by Heather Ashby. She's the acting director of the Russia and European Center at the United States Institute of Peace. She joined there after seven years for the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Heather, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. I'm really excited to be up with you this morning to talk about yeah. this topic. Thanks thanks for getting up. As you, as you look at what's happening in the Middle East and the impact on Russia, is it fair to say, as I was just saying, I hope it is, that uh, Russia really is kind of a winner in all this? I hate to use the term winner because it's so depressing what's taking place in the Middle East. But yes, I think there the conflict in the Middle East is helping Russia by diverting attention to its war of aggression against Ukraine and all the attacks that continue to take place against Ukrainian civilians. And Russia continues to try to look for allies or supporters around the world, as you've been reporting, particularly uh, in Africa and Latin America. Uh, Yes. And so this is a process that started under Vladimir Putin under his reign and accelerated after Russia's first invasion of Ukraine of looking for allies and partners in various parts of the world outside of Europe in the United States. To what end then, really, just to gain support at the U.N. or elsewhere? Uh, It's multiple levels. One is to gain support at the UN and vote, whether people vote in favor of resolutions that Russia proposes or resolutions that involve Russia, such as them stopping their war in Ukraine, uh, to make sure that there aren't strong votes or abstentions uh, that indicate that people are supportive of criticizing Russia. The other aspect is that Russia's attacks on the West and by working with African countries that were former colonies of France or in Latin America, it's a way of sticking it to the U.S. of France and Western Europe. As we've seen, you know, and you know this from your time at the Department of Homeland Security, as we've seen, it's hard to get a real, sometimes honest appraisal of what's happening if we rely on social media, as so many uh, people around the world do now. The uh, level of disinformation and fakes and AI-generated and old material being passed off as new makes it very hard for, I think, the average person to get a sense of what's really happening. Uh, That's accurate because Russia is very savvy of leveraging these technological tools to spread propaganda, to spread disinformation and help to fuel conspiracy theories and tap into some of the grievances within various countries and exploit them to its own advantage. How sophisticated are they in all this? I think they're very sophisticated. It's Actions that took place during the Soviet period and because of the rise of social media, AI, it's making it more low cost and easier for them to launch these campaigns in various countries. And I would note it's something to be very attuned to as we enter 2024 and the massive wave of elections that are taking place throughout the world. And in terms of Ukraine, uh, what's your sense of the of the latest there and You don't want to call anybody a winner, but what's the status on the battlefield? Uh, The current status is that both sides are grinding it out with Russia trying to maintain the territory that it has seized, while Ukraine continues to make efforts to push through the Russian lines 
and the areas of where Russia is occupying Ukrainian territory. Do you see any sense that there's any kind of um, negotiation, any kind of deal that might resolve this? If it's sort of, uh, as they say, you're grinding it out, they're really, uh, you know, not much progress either way, it seems, from a distance. Yeah, and I don't imagine there will be negotiations anytime soon because the starting point for negotiations for the Ukrainians will be taking back their territory. And it doesn't appear that Russia and Putin are willing to give Ukraine back its territory. The other area that could be potential subject of negotiations, which I think is a non-starter for Ukrainians, is Ukraine not pursuing NATO or the EU membership. So not much to talk about there. I, beyond that, this is going to be a slog and will continue into the winter time. I don't think people should be optimistic that there will be negotiations taking place, even with a third party trying to bring the sides together. And what's your sense as there seems to be resistance, not seems to be, there is resistance in Congress to uh, further fund Ukraine? They're eager to fund Israel, but not Ukraine, at least some Republicans. Yeah, and I think it all depends on which chamber of Congress and which members of Congress, because it seems that overall there's a majority support for supporting Ukraine and understanding of the threat that Russia poses to the international system and involvement in conflicts in various parts of the world. Even so, there is this uh, there is this resistance. It reflects some resistance on the part of the public, maybe not overwhelming majority. Uh, so, how does Ukraine? How does the U.S. deal with that? Do you think? I think it continues to look for ways of supporting Ukrainians by bringing the international community together to continue to put pressure on Russia, building relationships with countries that may have not outwardly condemned Russia's actions, but continue to engage with the Russian government, as well as look for ways of repurposing current stockpiles that the U.S. government has to ship to Ukraine. Without U.S. support, where would Ukraine stand? I think it would be a very challenging environment for them, but Europe has really been active alongside the U.S. in supporting Ukraine. And so I would say that Europe will play an increasingly more active role than it already has. So the big offensive that Ukraine was thought to be launching after uh, the winter last year uh, didn't go far, recaptured some territory, but not as much as they had hoped. Uh, And the fact that there hasn't been that overwhelming success on the battlefield no doubt has hurt their efforts, don't you think, among the American people and American lawmakers? I think to a degree, but we were also in the media building up this offensive and imagining that in a war environment there would be this incredible breakthrough, but wars are can be long, they could be slogs, and they could be a grind fest. And I think people are coming to terms that in this environment, this is how wars take place, that they could go on for years and aren't over in months. And what do you think will happen that's getting cold there already? The winter's coming. What do we expect to see this winter? Last winter, there wasn't much uh, action on the battlefield in terms of major assaults. I think you may see a similar path uh, as last winter because of the way the weather is so strong 
and difficult in that region of the world. The ground is hard, the temperatures are cold, of moving supply lines, of individuals working to on the Ukrainian side to push through Russia's complex series of mines. I think you'll still see the fight and taking place, but the summer was the time to really push forward. And as we saw, the Russians used the winter last year to build this incredible uh, line of defenses and, and tank traps. I assume they'll do the same thing this winter, right? How does uh, the U.S., how does Ukraine prevent that? Uh, I think continuing to try to bring in the spirit of its people committed to reclaiming its territory. And the U.S. continued to be a vocal supporter of Ukraine. Ukraine. President Biden has said previously that the U.S. is with Ukraine for however long it takes. And so continuing to reiterate the support for a democratic country to maintain its territory and to adhere to the international system, which is respect for self-determination, territorial integrity and sovereignty. And finally, before I let you go, Heather, uh, you talk about the slog. Uh, it's a question of who can be resupplied, who has the, the will to keep going, who wins on that count. Uh, I think Russia is going to continue to face challenges. If you think about the shape of their economy, they have had moderate success in not having the sanctions have too much of a drag on their economy. But there's only so long that they could sort of apply this wizardry to their economy to keep it going as they continue to shut off from weapon systems, advanced weapon systems uh, for this war. All right. Heather Ashby, thank you so much for getting up early this morning and joining us here. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.